Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, killing you with kindness. And Quentin Rayner, who just wants a bowl of muesli. And stagnating in the bar, surrounded by candles, there's you lot, our fragrant Dumpty Dummers. This week's Dumpty Dum tune is the latest from R. Stephen Bowden. Quentin... Get this. The hissing sound in that music is in fact the Bridge Farm milking parlour from 1996. And the TARDIS noise at the end 
is the Ambridge Cow. Stephen says it was done with only a little bit of editing, but I think it was done with rather a lot of editing. He's too self-effacing, as our Stephen. I have sown the seed with Stephen, haven't I, to maybe put up together a little video to show how he makes these extraordinary tunes, which, uh, if he does it, will be available to our patrons. So listen out in future mm. about that. Fantastic. And we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, Monty, Bernadette, God Squad Mia, Sue, Glyn, Brian, Catherine, Witherspoon, Rob, Mike, and anon of Ambridge. Plus, we've got Tweet of the Week with a very special introduction, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group, predictions for next week, and another dumpty book dumb item. Marvellous. So, Quentin, let's look back at what happened this week. Well, I noticed the Wikipedia entry for Ambridge has recently been updated by a certain Hazel Woolley. Ambridge is a parochial, self-satisfied, two-bit place, a foul, nasty village. Yep, Hazel has left in a huff after she overheard Tony strongly object to Peggy's request for her to attend Pat's poxy birthday party. The Ambridge I came back to find doesn't exist anymore. If it ever existed... Elsewhere, the leek soup was boiling over at Bridge Farm, as poor Pat just wanted to know. Is this Cabernet Sausage Sans a 69? Tom was back to manic warp factor 8, as he desperately tried to make his mother's impending 70th one she'd never forget, by lavishing her with fruit, yoghurt, pancakes, croissants and a bathroom cabinet. Pat wailed that he was making them feel like guests in our home and then pregnant Natasha tripped over the tools left by Tom the tool and they rushed to hospital. A birthday voucher for a virtual cheese-tasting masterclass from Hazel threatened to send Pat and Tony crackers but Tom and Natasha returned to announce the Archer dynasty was secure because she was expecting twins. We heard a lot of heavy panting as Amy was dragged round by the only two dogs in the village. Alice was philosophical as she told Amy that Stella wouldn't be able to have her work on the farm after all, because Ed had told her of Alice's false accusations about him coming on to her a few months ago. Brian tried to console his daughter by suggesting she could work from home, just not home farm. Things got heated over the muted as the business brain of Borsetshire clashed with Pip as to who's having the bungalow. Mike banged their heads together and told them to wake up and realise how lucky they are. A riveting chat about tree planting, net emissions and drainage helped restore the peace. But then it was Mike's turn to be banged to rights. Roy was furious when he found out from Vicky that his father was pre-diabetic and all the DIYing was merely cover to stuff his face with curries and pie to avoid changing his diet. Mike agreed and packed his bags for Birmingham to celebrate Bethany's ninth birthday, vowing that Roy wouldn't recognise him next time they met. Which Hazel was racing him for the taxi, though. Her final act of wickedness was to refuse Tom's plea to return to the flat she'd evicted them from. There's just one small problem. I've let the flat to someone else. I really am most terribly sorry. Let it to who? Tom cried on behalf of us all. <laughs> wow, well, that was an epic. Uh, it was. But Quentin, how's your week been? Has it been epic? How are you? I, I'm, I'm not too bad, actually. I, I hope you, you're well as well. Um, but mm. I've, I've exciting week, actually. In summary, I, I've, we went to Hamilton at last, which was fantastic. 
Uh, it's packed with 46 songs. It, it is worth all the hype, so I would urge you. And I would go again, actually, just to see it. I even went to go-karting as well, Philippa. I got thrashed by my daughter and our neighbour, Charlotte. I also had an interview on BBC Radio Nottingham uh, yes. about our Stephen Fry podcast and about Dumpty Dum generally. So there will be a link to that in these podcast notes. And um, I'm actually, we're recording this on a Saturday rather than a Sunday. And uh, it occurred to me that uh, this today is the 13th anniversary of my mum's death. She was a oh. big Archers fan. So uh, this oh, one's Quentin. for you, Mum. Oh, gosh. I don't know what to say after that now. I don't think I can follow that on. Well, but, she'd love, um, she, she would have loved this podcast. Oh, that's wonderful. So <laughs> yeah. that's, a, yeah, so that's a, a, yes. a happy thing. And how about you? Yeah, I've just been celebrating your success on, on the old radio. Well done with that. That was great. And for me, this week has all been about ice. I just, I don't like the ice, Quentin. My mother always said to me that if I want to walk down a slippery slope, I should walk it sort of sideways. So I just look like some sort of very strange crab trying to get down the hill. Everyone else is striding off and not slipping. I don't know. I just give me many different types of weather systems, but don't give me ice. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was—I I mean, we've never met, as I was always keep saying. But I always imagine you, you always as, keep saying. Well, I, I would like to meet you one day because I've always imagined you as a, as a woman of grace, of poise. I can't see you <laughs> walking like a crab, but there you go. You're shattering my illusions. No, here. Yeah, Quentin, we're never meeting because <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll keep we'll keep that that thought <laughs> uh well that's enough about us but let's get on to the important bit which is you our lovely caller in hello ambridge 3962 and first of all we have monty who called in on monday about how unimpressed he is with chris and tom hello Monty here. Um, I haven't called in for a while uh, because I only listened to the Omnibus edition and now that you record on a Sunday afternoon, it doesn't leave very much time for me to do so if I'm going to be topical. So I'm not going to worry about this this time um, and I'm just going to talk about some of the things that happened in this week's episode that have quite irritated me. Um, the first off is Chris Carter. Uh, honestly, what a wet lettuce that man is. He really had me annoyed the way he uh, approached Alice um, with the whole divorce proceedings thing. When he clearly doesn't want to get divorced, she, he must know that she doesn't really underneath it. And she's in an extremely fragile state. It's his role at this point to be the strong one, not to overreact, to be calm and to let things settle down when they can rebuild their relationship. And he did exactly the opposite of that and um, actually sent his wife into a tailspin with her addiction, and it was just by the skin of her teeth that it didn't happen. So poor, poor, poor marks, I'm afraid. Not good. Not a good husband on that one. Uh, needed to be stronger, uh, and he came across as weak and panicked. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, Tom and Natasha uh, living with their parents. Honestly, what is wrong with those people they just need to just to be a little bit more honest and assertive with each other. I mean, the, the whole thing about the coffee beans. Um, why not just say, uh, Natasha, um, actually, I prefer these coffee beans. Um, so by all means, you have those ones and we'll make a uh, can we make a cut from a different one. That's what normal people would have done. Not bitching about coffee 
in the background when just a simple conversation uh, with your family would have done. That's all I wanted to say. Take care, everybody. Oh, great to hear from you, Monty. And don't forget, of course, uh, that you've still got that hour's window after the omnibus because we record about 12 o'clock on a Sunday. So, um, you know, if you want to make it topical, Monty, that's the golden hour. But uh, obviously, when we get, we're getting more calls earlier during the week, aren't we, Philip? Mm, phone in early in the fine. week. If, yes. You know, if, if something occurs to you, um, just get on the old speak pipe and, um, and let us know. Bridge Farm, Tom and Natasha. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing of why on earth Pat and Tony didn't say, oh, oh, hold on, you're not moving in that quick. We've got to sort out one or two things. Really did surprise me. And, you know, bitching about coffee beans is is, is such a nonsense. Of course, it got even worse this week. Well, I was going to say, yes. <laughs> banging up cabinets in the bathroom to put in how all of Pat's, to put Pat's stuff in. I know, but how even... big was it? She was, you know, it just seemed to be like five foot wide. I didn't you understand. Put a bridge farm in there. And the only toiletries that Tony has is just the shaving stuff. There's <laughs> nothing else. Does the man not wash his face or clean his teeth? Or... <laughs> I mean, it just was preposterous. And uh, we'll get on to Tom later because we've had plenty of calls about him. Uh, the way he behaved around his mother was a nonsense. Um, yeah, we spoke a lot last week, Monty, about uh, the way Chris Carter behaved, and um, he really, really is out of his depth. And he he flitted, didn't he, from trying to kiss her to then saying, "Let's have a quickie divorce." It was all over the shop, as you said, as you suspect. Neither of them wanted divorce. I, I'm not so sure about that. I think Alice is more inclined to it than Chris. I think Chris would like to salvage it, and now he's thinking, "Well, I've got no choice but to go for." A full divorce, um, as we know, the, the law is changing. So, uh, hold your horses a bit there, Chris. But uh, yeah, you, you said that he, he he needed to be the strong one, and he was weak and panicked, and he, and he certainly was. And but fortunately, Alice held back. So uh, those two bottles of vodka were, were smashed. Just going back though to this bathroom cabinet, if Helen had knocked up the cabinet, Pat would have been orgasmic about it, going on and on nonstop about how amazing she'd be to come up with this idea. It, I mean, as you say, we'll talk more about Tom, but well, the dynamic in that family is very strange to me. Well, which son gives his mother a cabinet on her seventieth birthday? <laughs> Tom. That, that's who. Tom. Yes. What's, I the mean, woman, like, what's the poor woman meant to say? But he's trying to help. He's trying yes. to sort out problems. He's trying to keep his wife happy, his mother happy. That's not easy. You're caught between them. Um, but the way Pat was was just awful. And then how this week well, she kept referring to how her birthday was, you know, completely ruined. Oh, really? It was ruined by hearing that you're going to have more grandchildren. Anyway, Monty. Oh, no, 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 no. She said that before the babies. The twins announcement. She was moaning before the twins. But she was talking about it afterwards as well. Oh, my birthday was ruined, so we'll have to have another, you know, we're having another lunch. Oh, did she? There I, was I reference that. I couldn't to take that. any more yeah. moaning, but yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Monty, it's lovely to hear your voice yes. again. So yeah, don't worry about getting the timing right. Just, yeah, call, call in. That was, that was super. And now we must go on to Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, who called in on Monday with thoughts on Tom. Greetings, Quentin and Philippa. Thank you so much for the episode with Stephen Fry. What a lovely man. What an obviously genuine Archers fan. And that was just delightful. Thank you so much. And thank you to Harriet 
um, for all those wonderful calls in. I thought it was hilarious. You couldn't even tell her from the actors. It just goes to show what a fantastic actress she is. Calling in about Sausage Boy, I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussion about Sausage Boy. Um, and I got thinking back and Tom used to be really quite a nice character. He used to be one of the good ones back in the day before John died. Uh, he was the, the cute little brother. He had all this passion about the environment and Pat and Tony really used to seem to like him. And I think that's where everything changed um, was, was obviously John's death. And I think we're seeing some of the echoes of that now. It's very noticeable that neither one of their children are great shakes. I mean, look at what Helen has put them through. Um, she was living in the house. She had two children there and they would tolerate nearly anything from Helen to the point they actually tolerated way too much. And, and that was part of the problem of letting Rob in. But Tom, he just has to step out of line and they'll take the head off him, particularly Pat. And I think basically she's never really come to terms with the fact that Tom Tom survived, that John died and Tom survived. Um, I think that's their fundamental problem. He's not John. Um, likewise, they've never liked Natasha. I don't think they ever will. The poor woman, she's feeling terrible. She's living with her in-laws. She's trying to do everything right. She's making coffee. She's getting the laundry done, even if it made Tony's vest pink. She's dragging herself around Underwoods while she's feeling appalling to get a nice birthday present for Pat. And she's getting absolutely no thanks for it at all. Um, those two just need to move out. This is never going to work. Um, and Pat really needs some therapy and needs to learn about boundaries because they should never have agreed to them moving in in the first place. So, Oh, I think you were cut off there, Jen. Yes, thanks so much for that call. I know you're very busy at, at the moment, so thank you for your calls. Oh, honestly, what what's going to happen with Tom and Natasha? Why isn't Peggy giving Tom some money? She gave Kirsty money before when Kirsty was pregnant didn't she? Have I imagined that? So I don't understand what's happening there. This housing situation, it's like housing roulette in Ambridge. Tom and Natasha need to move out, but where? Who's going to have Hazel's flat? I wonder if it's the second part of Amy's split personality that we seem to have suddenly witnessed. One week she's monotone and boring. The next week she's an inspirational addiction counsellor. Um, it's is Josh or is it Pip having the bungalow? Who's now going to be in Rickyard Cottage? Who will live in the many other dwellings? And also, of course, Tom is related to Lillian. And Lillian, I believe, has a property business. So surely she has someone. I don't understand what is going on. The housing that we need to we need Phil and Kirsty in there to sort them all out. Well, <clears throat> You see, I'm, uh, I'm going to... Notes. I'm going to uh, <laughs> it sounds well, like you have notes, Quint. I, I, I have, because um, Jen and I don't always see eye to eye about Tom, but I sort of do, and, and I don't with Jen. Uh, well, about <laughs> the arches at Bridge Farm. I mean, I, I just think Pat was within her rights to be fed up about the way that she feels she's been made a guest in her own home and killing mm. me with kindness, because... They just sort of just came in in a great big surge, didn't really uh, give them any time to prepare, dumped all their stuff, putting up cabinets to put Pat's stuff in. Uh, she just wants a nice bowl of music. She doesn't want to be uh, this over-the-top oh, breakfast. Oh, no, no, but, he was but, cooking her a lovely birthday yeah, I know, but it's all over the top, and I can see why she's feeling, oh, for God's sake, this is suffocating me. Yeah, but I, he's I, doing I, it over-top because he feels so inferior. It's how she makes him feel. He's overcompensating. Yes, and it's her fault. I, I, I get all that, but he's a 40-year-old man 
and he should know his mother better. <laughs> Poor dear old boy. Yeah, to how how to how to deal with mum, and he should read the signs. And uh, if 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 I had, in the same circumstances, I'd feel a bit. Oh God, please, this is too much. So I'm I'm sorry. I don't think Pat needs therapy on that. I think she was was in her rights. Um, but <sighs> Jen is quite right. They should never have agreed to them moving in. She's quite yes. right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the absolutely. problem. They just went. Oh, okay, okay. Fill up our barn with all your stuff. They are more tolerant of Helen, and maybe there is that residual, you know, we've lost our eldest son and you'll never you'll never do. Um, but I thought when they came back and announced the twins and they had that hug, I thought, I thought it was a genuinely moving moment. They were clearly thrilled to bits that uh, she's expecting twins and, you know, there's a frog in all their throats, and that, that was nicely done. That was a real family moment, I thought. Yes, I I think the whole situation is very odd indeed. The fact that, you know, the only time they're nice to each other is when they realise that they're going to get no sleep for the rest of their lives in nine months' time. Just call me an old cynic. Anyway. Well, and also thank you, Jen, for what you said about the Stephen Fry podcast. Yes. It means a lot to us. And, uh, uh, yes, Harriet's contribution, Shambridge, was just fantastic. Yes, it was a thriller. And he, he, he clearly thought he was hearing the genuine actors didn't he and that was that made it even better and underlines just how brilliant harriet is at those voices and now we go on to bernadette who has an urgent request for the script writers bernadette hawks here archer's fan 2015 amy 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 what are the script writers doing to you first they silence you for many years then by public demand you're brought back to be the only young person the only young brown person in Ambridge, demographically, this is probably the best thing because they're trying to stick to the truth. You have been a midwife for some time, and I can understand that like like other NHS staff who work tirelessly during the pandemic, you are tired. From the accounts I have read and heard about NHS staff leaving the service in droves, I'm not surprised that you returned to Baltimore. Though I'm surprised about bullshit, but anyway. Um, but not before your dad, the thoughtless and unexciting Alan Franks, bestowed Alice upon you. You continue to be a good friend to Alice, in spite of everything that she put you through, and now the SWs have turned you into a dog-walking idiot. I'm sure that you do need a less stressful job, but dog-walking in Ambridge or any part of the countryside seems an odd and implausible choice. Then. Then, what I can only assume is a desperate and possibly futile attempt to grow young and BAME listeners, they turn you into a girl from the hood, with a language that seems so far from your roots, it's ridiculous. Are the script writers, well, I was going to say social workers, but probably they need social workers, using EastEnders as a research source? This is a furious guess on my part, as I have not seen that dreadful TB programme for many, many years since I gave up a job which required home visits where I had to compete with the show for the attention of some of my clients. Finally, the SWs better sort themselves out or hire a properly qualified researcher if they want to portray BAME characters more accurately. My patience with the archers is hanging by a thread, which is almost at breaking point. Oh, that's... Quite a Linda sniff at the end of that, <laughs> yes, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Super. She is not happy. 
Uh, her patience is hanging by a thread. Are you hearing this, Archers? I mean, this is the queen of the bagel, the queen of the tweet-along. Bernadette has spoken. Um, before I continue, just want to mark the fact that um, I'm sorry that you lost your your mother recently, Bernadette, and we love seeing that photo you posted of her, I think, on her 93rd birthday on Twitter. That was lovely. And um, poor old Bernadette has only just got back into her house. Her next-door neighbour had a gas leak, so um, you can see why she's riled. She's up for a fight this week, Bernadette. And um, fundamentally, she's fed up with the way that Amy is being portrayed and this sort of turn, trying to turn her into a girl from the hood with uh, all this sort of street argot jargon and stuff. And you're not alone, actually, Bernadette. I noticed on Twitter, Matt at Matt underscore Mark 2 said, giving my home girl shade. I didn't realise I could cringe so hard it actually caused physical pain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean... The representation of BAME people is 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 minimal in the arches, and it's been discussed on this podcast before. Uh, and Bernadette said it reflects the demographics of this country. Uh, what well, we've only got Amy and uh, Usha. I can't think of any other characters. So you know they've got to get it right. And uh, fundamentally, Bernadette is saying research it right and don't try and superimpose language that uh, somebody like Amy with her background would use. And it's a it's a very good point, and it made us. You made many people squirm with with embarrassment, Bernadette, so you are not alone there. And one other thing I picked up, you know how we always say, oh, script writers and all this, it's all their fault, whatever, or we praise them. Kerry Davis clarified on Twitter this week. He said, uh, he referred that people who make the decisions are the script editors and the big chief Mm. editor. And he said, we humble writers just do what we're told. So, in fact, I think we should aim our fire in future at the script editors. I saw that, but then I thought, well, no, the language surely would be the script writer. Yes, the, the editor would have well, said that. they might write something and the editor might say, no, change it to that. Mm, I or think we need Or she's to got to sound like this or whatever. Yeah. I think we need to set up a 24-hour dumpty-dum helpline for people traumatised by well. the things they hear. And um, I think Bernadette could be our first customer. You know, this is, this is not good it affects us so much they need to know it was very strange i thought and also the context of it wasn't it they're out on a dog walk and she's suddenly I getting don't all get hood. that friendship I, as i said earlier i think amy has a split personality at the moment that she's being represented in two different ways i, I mean it's yes. bravo that she helped alice no, i'm not going to oh she was superb she was yeah superb. that's fine but apart from that oh it's just painful to listen to it doesn't feel natural oh, it's just very odd and suddenly they're best friends again but they weren't sending each other christmas cards for a few years so i I just don't. I don't enjoy that. I have to say that it's not the um, the flavors, the the different flavors in their voices that you get from some of the other characters. You wouldn't naturally put them together, would you? Uh, who would you put with Amy if you had to go round Ambridge and find a friend? Who would you? No wonder she's walking the dogs. And um, well, she wants know, to be with I'm, Chris, doesn't she? Yes. Well, Bernadette said, you know, dog walking is a less stressful job. It is very much that when there's no dogs to walk, you know, there's, she said, a couple of dogs in Ambridge. So if that's all that Amy is doing, it's a really stress-free job. as we said in the in, in the summary, very heavy panting dogs. I mean, they really wanted us to know that she was walking dogs. 
didn't they? I mean, they're straining to get away from her. That's why they're panting. They're just like, please, I want to go home. Why I am I being warped by this woman? I can't take any more of this hood language. No. <laughs> she keeps checking my pelvic floor thinking I'm pregnant. I don't like it. Oh dear. Anyway, Bernadette, a great call. Yeah. And we must go on because we've got a second call from Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, who had to call back as she's had Natasha on her mind. Jane Cullingham with a quick postscript. Has Natasha done the one thing that might get her a pass with the Archer family? Possibly. I think the news of the twins is is brilliant. I don't know why, but it makes me very happy. Mainly because you know, Sausage Boy will be up twice as much at night. And the delightful thought of Helen's face when she realises that Tom has now equaled her in the grandparent grandchildren stakes in one fell swoop uh, is very funny and the other thing is that all the advice that Helen would have been telling Natasha about how to be pregnant and how to give birth and how to look after a baby is now null and void because Natasha can just go yeah Helen you don't understand you've never had a multiple so yeah I think that's um, cracking news I hope that they just go for a very straightforward easy pregnancy from here on in which probably isn't realistic for twins but hey I think we've all had enough drama. Um, so just to say that, and oh, when are they just going to make Alice get a job in Canada and go away? <laughs> Sooner the better. Uh, yes, I agree. I just thought that Shula's so busy with a tambourine and prayer hands that she'd be begging Alice to go and help. But what do I know? You're right, though, Jen. Natasha could have just got the, the one pass possible with Pat and Tony. But, uh, well... Uh, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. Do I want to hear them all together in one house getting even more on each other's nerves? Because Bridge Farm does seem to have shrunk over the last few years um, if they're having such trouble with just four of them in the house. So, yeah, there is a, an evil part of me that actually does want to hear <laughs> all that kicking off. Because let's face it, uh, well, I would say having one baby is exhausting. Um, it's just like nothing you can prepare yourself for. Having twins, I can't imagine how how much that's going to be we, to we are we are a delight we twins <laughs> yeah, we're, but we're looking at when you'll actually arrive home first of all when it's not so much a delight it's put, just what's going on put, put, put it this way i was relieved that it didn't carry along my family line yeah <laughs> yeah one at a time please yes yes and Natasha did acknowledge that it's going to be quite an experience, but still, I just thought there was much, too much celebrating. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, I loved my children when they were babies, but my goodness, it was hard, hard work. And, too much celebrating? Uh, they only just found out. That's a bit mean. You're a mean no, mood about the archers. You'd be like, oh my goodness, how are we going to cope? And oh my well, goodness. Well, have all just of that, won't we? Prams for five, 500 is, pounds is a cheap pram. What? With all-terrain wheels as well. Yeah. Do you know, the first time we went shopping, my, my eldest, my daughter, so we had her, we had this pram that was a car seat and everything, great. Um, put it in the car, went off to the shops, couldn't then get the pram to open. So we just had, it was our first trip out, and we just had to turn the car around and come home because we couldn't actually get the pram mm. to work. It's a bit like you walking like a crab, really, isn't it? Thanks. Yeah, story of yes. my life. Crap Jen woman. seems to be happy because it's a it, it's one of the eye for Helen. So Jen's happy this yes. week. She obviously can't stand 
Helen. No. And Tom's that's... got one up on her, and so has Natasha. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear just the level of enthusiasm from Helen, because it's never very high anyway, is it, from Helen? So she'll have to ramp it yeah, up a bit to be pleased. That's going to be good. Um, and Jens wants to see the back of Alice, and not just out of Ambridge, out of the country. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Spending Rory's uh, travel vouchers, no less. Oh, the, yeah, the travel voucher. So we had plenty of voucher. We've had a voucher gate on the voucher, haven't we? Travel vouchers and cheese tasting vouchers. <laughs> yeah, which went down like a... Both have gone down very badly. Yeah. Here's the moral of the story is do not <laughs> yeah, buy somebody a voucher. <laughs> for anyway, we must leave Jen there. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. And we must go on because we have God Squad Mia, who's thinking about Bridge Farm. Hi P&Q and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. This is God Squad Mia caller in ring from Newcastle land. I was having a thought, actually it was more like a nightmare, if every episode in one week was based at Bridge Farm, nothing else, just Pat and Tony and Sausage Boy and No Casher. Oh my goodness, I, I, I don't know what the highlight of the week would be. Tony, I can't find the Marmite. I think Natasha sold it on eBay. Oh, Pat, let's go over to see Fallon. Perhaps she can get a knife out and spread some on our toes for us. Ha ha, don't tell the others. I think I'd rather stab my eyes out with blunt pencils. And and now we're going to get two more chipolatas into the family. Oh my goodness, why are they doing it to us? I really wish, though, that scriptwriters would give um, Natasha a lot more uh, airtime. She's a great character and a great actress too. And I'd really like to hear a bit more from her. I'd like her to go out on a, on a, a beanie, beanie one night with um, Stella and Ruth and even Drunk Usha. She's a lot of fun. Maybe they could take Long Hazel with them and, you know, do something, you know, that we'd all like to do to Hazel. That would be a bit fun. Lol. Anyway, in my dreams. But uh, I just thought I'd pass those thoughts on to you. Have a good week, everybody, and stay safe. It's God's God, Mia, saying amen. Bye. Thank you, Mia, for that nightmare, every episode of Bridge Farm. Just, shall we, we just pause for a second and contemplate that? We thought a week on the Isle of Wight was bad enough. Yeah, yeah. can you imagine it? Say, for argument's sake, they did a week special at Bridge Farm, yeah? Can you imagine it? Just... I, I don't want to imagine. Please don't make me. If you had to be in the company of two of the Bridge Farm inhabitants... All week, who, who who would they be? Tony, yeah, and I could Natasha. Tell you Tony. Tony and Natasha. We could have yeah. conversations about trains, about um, beauty, about her business, um, yeah. all sorts of different things. We, yeah, Pat and Tony and Johnny. No, thank you. I'd rather hear from a Montbelliard all week than the others. Or Helen. I mean, oh, I know no, she's not living there. Yeah, um, I think that's probably a good combo, actually. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Natasha. I've, ne- I, I've, I've never really liked her. I don't trust her. And I think there's a whole backstory about the credit cards, which I love Natasha. Really been... But it'd be interesting to see if they, if she, if they bring her out now uh, and we see more of her. Because she was horrible, wasn't she? I mean, all right, she was playing Bridge Farm at their own game when she... She wasn't horrible. They deserve well, she... every bit of it. No, she's fabulous. No, she behaved badly. She behaved badly. I mean, Fallon and people, she behaved very badly, horrible. But uh, well, she played... okay, she... with Fallon, yes. She she outwitted them. A, a week at Bridge Farm. Thanks a lot for that, Mia. Uh, I love the phrase, two more chipolatas, yeah. <laughs> Chip up the old sausage boy, yeah. Uh, so the dynasty is secure, isn't it? Mm. Two more archers. Clearly, the as we must call them, script editors and chief editor 
uh, are looking to the future uh, of the archers, aren't they? They're, they're ensuring that uh, <laughs> seeds are sown, quite literally, to keep this thing going for another 70 years. Now, can we just get on to talk about Stella as well? Because Mia mentioned Stella, and I need to admit something. I've got a bit of a girl crush on Stella. I think she's fab. She's she's great. She's super at business. She's fair. She's understanding. She doesn't take any nonsense, but she doesn't deal with it in a bad way. She's got fig rolls in her office. I, I think Stella is fabulous. More Stella for me. I agree with you. I think she's handles people really well very well mm. she handled ed well uh, she listened attentively and responded straight away and appropriately didn't she she handles brian really well even though he tried to play her this week didn't he with the old emotional blackmail i i know it's entirely up to you stella but if you could see a way off yeah he played it yeah, i um, thought a lot of that was genuine i didn't think he was well, at one point, was he moved to tears? He seemed to get a bit yeah, tearful, Yeah, I think he? it's interesting that Stella's the person that he is most honest with. Mm. Um, mm. Maybe a bit of manipulation, but, but yes, Stella's fab. And fig rolls. We've got to talk about fig yeah, rolls. Well, just finish on Stella. Yeah, oh she, was, she was good with... Stella was good, wasn't she, with Mia as well. She handles all age yeah. ranges and all types very, very well. And you've got a girl crush on her, but she's got, obviously got her eyes on Ruth. So, sorry. Uh, are you saying I'm no competition for Ruth? No, I think you definitely Ruth. are. <laughs> definitely are. If 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 you if you if you, if you, if you walk into Brookfield uh, crab like, I mean, she's going to really go for you <laughs> with my fig rolls. Yeah, okay, fig rolls. Fig rolls, I, go on and go. Yeah, this is, this is well, your one food moment, okay? Because I've got a, a lot huge, of food this week. I'm a huge fan of the fig roll because if you if I'm on a diet and thinking I can't have a biscuit, I can have a fig roll because that's fruit, you see. So you're a, it's technically you're allowed a fig roll, and they are delicious. I can eat a whole packet of fig rolls very happily and not feel bad. Please tell me you're a fig roll fan to Quentin or do we need to do one of those on the well I, I was the pickled eggs came to mind straight away yeah. uh it's been many a decade since I've had a fig roll I, I like a, I like I like a fig do you know with those packs of yogurts the multi-flavored uh, ones uh and the, the prune and fig ones always get left <laughs> and I happily consume those they're very nice Ooh. so I, I'm happy to take you up on a fig roll challenge we do have a call coming up that might put you off but I've park it there no i'm sure it'll be no i see i don't like figs on their own but wrap it in a biscuit and turn it into a fig roll i'm your woman anyway anything in a biscuit you'd eat it (laughs) thank you (laughs) we'll have some more of your calls in a moment and there are some brilliant ones coming up so keep listening but if you're thinking i'd like to record a message and i'm wondering how to do it here's how we always say this, uh, Philippa, it's the peas, isn't it? Um, this podcast is the people's podcast. It's all about you people. So we need you. Uh, without it, we're nothing. So whether you are a first-time, occasional, or even a very regular caller in we do love hearing from you. Now, the best way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to this site, speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. That's speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. And you'll also find a link in the show notes as well. It is very, very easy. We've made it even easier with that link. Uh, you can have as many goes as you like. Don't worry, um, because nobody else will know how many takes you had. And if you think, oh, that's too much information, have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account. You'll find all the details there of how to leave us a message in various forms. 
Another way to help Dumpty Dum is to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app and also give us a five-star review. It's a huge help with the battle of the podcast algorithms. Next, if you can write a review, well, that helps even more. And finally, you can become a Patreon and you can get extra content. If you go to patreon.com and search for Dumpty Dum, don't forget the T in the middle. Um, And we must thank our new patrons. Welcome. Thank you. We have Amy Waterman and Morgan Johnson. Uh, Quentin, there's a new Patreon video coming soon-ish, I believe. Coming your way soon. It's not up yet, but we'll let you know when it is. When it is, yes. As I mentioned before, I was uh, interviewed by BBC Radio Nottingham this week about Dumpty Dum and our Stephen Fry special podcast, and um, I, I, I filmed it. So, <laughs> um, if you want to watch that, if you've got nothing better to do, we we will be putting that up as a special treat for our our patrons. Wonderful. And now we must go back to our calls. Next, we have Sue, who has, I believe, a public service announcement. Hello, lovely people. Queen Autart here. Sue, as you know me otherwise from the social media roundups. Um, I have a public service announcement for you today. If you're eating, you might want to think about stopping. I've personally not eaten figs since I went to a talk on fig wasps at nine lessons and carols for the curious. Some species, but I want to make it very clear, is not all species, end up with incestuous fig wasp sex going on before the females are even born. Consequently, the female emerges pregnant. The males, they're generally wingless, and they dig their way out of the thick, creating a tunnel through which the females can escape. And if they do get out of the fig, then the male wasps quickly die. However, in some species, the males die inside the fig and then the fig uses enzymes to digest the dead wasps and they become part of the fig. Mostly, but not always. Do you know, I haven't eaten any fruit that's got crunchy bits in Mm. since I listened to this. Now, there are thousands and thousands of figs and thousands and thousands of fig wasps and they generally go together but without a lot of investigation you'll never know what you're eating especially inside a fig roll i hope that's been helpful for everybody uh, stay safe out there cheery bye lovely <laughs> <laughs> never eat fig rolls again that, you were, you crunching, were. <laughs> crunching. Oh my God, once she said that, I just thought, no, I'm going to have to. Fruit with crunchy bits. I'm going to have to stick to Orange Club biscuits to get my fruit allowance in in the future. Uh, so I love your call so much, but equally it has made me feel very queasy. And you're right, it's the crunching sound. Oh my goodness. I, no, I don't think I will ever eat a fig roll ever again. I've got my head in my hands here, Quentin. <clears throat> Well, I've learned something. Incestuous big wasp sex. I mean, who, who'd have thought, eh? Inside a <laughs> trust, fig. Trust you, so, I'm focusing on the food. You're focusing on the, <laughs> the naughty stuff, honestly. That's very telling well, of us both. Go, go figure. But um, <laughs> uh, that's mm. disgusting. The it fig really uses enzymes to digest the dead wasp. Yeah, but just imagine the bits of wasp in your fig roll. It's 
Oh, I can't. Well, do I mean, it. they say you know insects and locusts and all they're very nutritious, aren't they? All these things. Oh no, I'm sorry. If I wanted to eat insects, I'd be on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of it. Even though I'm not a celebrity. Um, but no, thank you. I no. Oh no, that's so seriously now. If, if a plate of fig rolls is put under no. your nose, unless it was Stella offering them, and then I might have to. Well, right. no, I don't think even I could for Stella. So, no. so this. That's it. So this potential Patreon video has gone out the window because of Siri. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Siri. Oh, that was absolutely, absolutely disgusting. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and now we must go on to Glyn, who has a prediction about Peggy. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. First of all, uh, congratulations on an excellent interview with Stephen Fry. Um, well done to all concerned. Onto the archers and uh, last week. So the situation with Mike Tucker has been resolved. And I think we have probably now said goodbye to both Mike as a character in Ambridge and Terry Malloy as an actor uh, in the archers. And best wishes to both character and actor for the new chapters in their lives. Um. Turning to Bridge Farm, uh, I've got a plot prediction here. I suspect June Spencer at 102 may decide that it is time to um, retire. That will trigger in the Archers the death of Peggy, uh, which will leave Peggy's house, which I think is the lodge, free. Pat and Tony will decide that the best course of action is to move into the lodge, leaving the farmhouse for Tom and Natasha and the twins. Plenty of threads then to explore what will happen to Kate, what will Helen and Johnny think of uh, Tom and Natasha having the farmhouse. Will Hazel return yet again and trigger a battle over Peggy's inheritance? And finally, and most importantly, what would happen to Tony's trains? Well, that's all from me for this week. Thank you, as ever, for the podcast. And to everybody in Dumpty Dumland, stay safe. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Glyn, for those uh, very nice comments about the Stephen Fry podcast. And mm. uh, we're chuffed that you enjoyed it so much. Thank you. And yeah, there was a lot of packing of bags, wasn't there, this week in, in Ambridge? Uh, Hazel was packing her bags. Mike was packing his bags, and Glyn reckons we've seen that's we've seen the back of him. Um, although he did say, "Next time you see me, um, you won't recognise me." To Roy, so maybe he'll come back as a sounding completely different, <laughs> having yeah. shed many pounds and many years. I, I'm, I'd be sad to see the back of him actually, because uh, mm. I've enjoyed his return. And lots of people have, and it's, it's a throwback to the old days. And he's one of, as he, you know, when he was reflecting on his time in Ambridge with Phoebe, that did seem to sound like a, a swan song, didn't it? Saying, what a beautiful place this is. I've spent yeah. so many years here, but now I've now moved on. That did seem to be him signing off, didn't it? But he's the sort of chap that you'd expect to find in, in Ambridge. And um, I mean, I liked having him around. I thought the goodbye as well with Roy was very moving. I mean, how many backslaps were there in that scene? You could hear them. Uh, and it felt like that was just something that they were very naturally doing. 
as they recorded it, because yes, it's it's Mike and Roy saying goodbye till next time, but it's also the actors as well. Yeah. And it must have been incredible to be back together again. Um, and then, mm. but then to have to say goodbye again, very, very hard. So I, yeah, I found that moving and wondered if there were real well, tears. Why are the, here we go again, script editors toying with us because they slip back in these characters. Hazel's come back and really stirred it all up. We've enjoyed having around and Mike's come back and we think, oh, Mike's back. And then <laughs> they and then they withdraw it. Um, well, you never know. Uh, there must be a reason. It can't just be that nobody else was free. So, uh, uh, and the actor who plays Mike was free. So they got they got him. There has to be a plan. Maybe it's a slow burn. Who knows? Um, but I, I, he can't have just been there to stop um Pip and Josh arguing, but I don't know if you were playing the game of uh, eat a fig roll every time you hear the word pre-diabetes this week, we would we would have stomachs filled with wasps because how many times did they mention it? Oh, I didn't hear it once, not once. No, oh, come no. On. Did they mention pre-diabetic? Did they? <laughs> and I was just thinking with Mike and this couch to five k, um, which narrator? Because you have to choose a narrator when you start uh, to help you on the journey of pain. I couldn't decide which one he would have. I'd be interested in everybody's thoughts on that. Is this to help you in your pain? Yes. Have you not done the Couch to 5K experience, Quentin? No, I'm I'm, I'm more more sort of 5K to couch, really. (laughs) Well, it's really good because it does get you started and you just, uh, you know, walk a bit and then run a bit. And so it's a way to to get into running. I'd I'd, I'd have Joy in my ears, I think. Joy? Well, no, sorry. You have to choose one of the set narrators that, uh, like, I think there's Sarah Millican and Joe Wiley, different ones. but yeah, I just couldn't work out who who Mike would have as his preferred narrator. Probably Joe Wiley, I suppose, with a bit of radio too. What about the death of Peggy? I mean, it'd be, be a national day of mourning, won't it? When but she it's goes. amazing how she still records because it doesn't. Mm. She still live in Spain, so if if she's doing it down so. the down the wire, the the quality of editing is incredible. Mm. And my goodness, they've evolved that during lockdown. So. Uh, yeah, well, well done to the, the team for that. Um, but if I she's mean, coming into the studio, then yeah. that's I mean, just as amazing. I presume they've got plans, surely, because she is 102. She's entitled to say, look, I, I want to retire now. But um, then, you know, you normally choose to retire when you get to 60 or 70. If you've yeah. lasted to 102, it, it's part seems, of you. Yes, I don't know. If seems she a bit would. daft to give up now, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, but I hope she does yeah, Pat and Tony could move into the lodge and then you got a bun fight, haven't you, about, oh, why have you got the farm and I haven't? So more more joy from Bridge Farm. Well, and other people want to live there as well. I mean, you know, dear, dear Jenny will be eyeing up somewhere with a bigger kitchen. That's true, yeah. Lillian, she'll be wanting no, to add to her property. Stuff. I know, but every, it's all about sharing equally. You can just see it kicking off. But, yeah, Glenn's absolutely right. What, what will happen? Glenn, you sound very quiet and subdued i hope everything's all right uh and that it wasn't just that you had to leave this uh wonderful message quite early on a saturday morning but he's probably um, trying not to wake up the rest of the household yes. he says <laughs> he's alarmed to share at five in o'clock. The i must bring dumpty dump but not wake anybody else up <laughs> no it's a great call thank, thank you, you. Yeah, yeah thank you so much um and now we need to go on to brian who is trying to work out what makes tom tick Hello, it's Brian. Hope you're all doing well. Um, 
I think it was Jen of Ambridge Pony Club that called um, Tom's Baby the Chipolata. Um, and now there's two on the way. Is the world ready for two spawn of Tom Archer? I doubt it. Um, it's amazing how he can be relied on to do exactly the wrong thing at any given situation. Um, it's all like, like he could just do the opposite of what Tom would do. He's not through malice, he's just through sheer boneheadedness. He'll just say, do exactly the wrong thing. Um, so why he would go back to Hazel to ask for his old flat back when um, he'd been kicked out, I wouldn't have done it in principle. The very principle of that, I would never go back to someone that kicked me out of my flat. Um, but it's just wildly impractical with t- twins on the way. I mean, getting a, two babies up and down steep flight of steps over a, in a small flat. Um, uh, even when Natasha's heavily pregnant, it's going to be horrible. Um, so it's wildly impractical. Um, and speaking of Hazel, the way she was um could that was so well done the uh and the way she used her hurt at what um tony said about her which she must have been hurt of course she would be i can't say why why she'd be surprised by what people thought of her but uh the way she was able to use that as a weapon against everybody else um that's so clever um so Using real emotion and and being know how to use it to manipulate things to in her favour, um, very clever. But must go because that's the end of my time. Nice to see, talk to you. Bye. Oh, bye, Brian. Thank you so much for that call. That that was great. I was really sad that Hazel was going. I wanted her to stay there long term and just keep stirring everybody. I think I'm getting quite evil and twisted in my well, old I, age. I thought, anyway. uh, we were going to find her at the bottom of those steep stairs. Yeah, well, and why she made Jim carry clubbed, up clubbed to death by a shopping by Jim? <laughs> yeah, why did he have to carry? And does she think home deliveries she's breathless, will carry she's it? Breathless, no, breathless, she's breathless. Breathless, Mike. What's it? Um, yeah, I think Brian is absolutely right. Why did Tom confide in Hazel about the pregnancy? And well, he and thought twins, that might. Well, he no, thought that might. That Tom might has clinch no it. understanding. He can't read people. He doesn't understand. He's no empathy at all um and the mere thought of them what if she said oh yes you can have the flat and then they're stuck in that flat with twins and this Ridiculous. massive pram the size of a of a house that he needs to put it, honestly Ooh. that boy need, dear just words yeah 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 um there's a common thread on on twitter actually that comes up every time tom has a big storyline <laughs> <laughs> Do the opposite of what Tom does, and yeah. you'll be fine in life. Just as um, Brian said. He, as Brian said, I mean, I love the weariness in Brian's voice. I mean, this is a man ground down by decades of listening. <laughs> of Tom. He's still, hanging, he's still hanging in in there, and uh, he's just he's, he, Brian. He, I think Brian delivers his calls with his head in his hands. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> great. And he, he's right. He's right. Right about Tony's boneheadedness. He, he is. He's just a burke, isn't he? I mean, he's a complete tool. Just, he I, really. He, but he's oh, not I on his own. There are there are others, and just, that's what I love about the artists as well. 
He really is up there, isn't he? Is that... You know, if we didn't have people Arch, to moan about, if we didn't have people that wound us up on the arches, life would be very dull and this, this podcast would be an awful lot shorter. Well, it would. I mean, that, yeah, that that is the um, the litmus test, really. Is, well, as Stephen Fry said, is just how maddening this damn thing is. I mean, mm. if you, you have to get through the infuriation to qualify as a true Archer's listener. Yeah. And once you've got through that pain barrier, then you're there for life, I think. Uh, but Brian is showing the scars, poor man. And uh, <laughs> keep keep calling in, Brian. We're here. For yes, you. we're here for you. Definitely. And, he's, and the, the acting by by um, Annette Badland as Hazel has been tremendous. She God, she can deliver a line, can't she? Yeah, that's um, why she I can, want she to can just say. she can turn on a syllable. She's brilliant. Very very good. Anyway, we need to move on. So thank you, Brian. Now we need to go to Catherine, who is wondering about what is hanging in Helen's house. Congratulations on a brilliant week for Dumpty Dum. Uh, the Stephen Fry thing was brilliant. I loved it when uh, he was giving Clary career advice. And I don't know if he really believed it, but I think he, at the beginning, he certainly thought it was the real uh, actors. But uh, the woman who did the voiceovers, she's just Shambridge. She was fantastic too. Anyway, oh, why? what have I wished for? I've wished for more reality in the arches. And we've got it big time this week. Uh, we've got the horrific, horrific uh, homegirl, uh, you do you kind of crap from uh, Alice and Amy which just made us all cringe, didn't we? This isn't why we listen to the Archers, it turns out. We don't want more reality. So that was bloody awful. Um, I was thinking that probably um, on those kind of cringy uh, meme things, we'd have Helen would have all those awful signs in her house saying, love lives here, or those family rules. In this house, we cuddle every day, all those shitty, horrible uh, chalkboard things. Um, and uh, uh, Kirsty would definitely use the hashtag be kind uh, far more often than she should do. So all oh, that must never happen again. Also, mysteriousness about the rewilding. I'm sure I'm not alone that I don't really understand what it is, how they do a financial report. All they're doing is letting weeds grow from what I understand. Uh, I don't understand that at all. And those bloody stairs at the shop above the, the, the flat above the shop, they go on and on about them. And then, of course, Tom, without consulting Nasha, decides to go and try and get the flat back, which must be the most inconvenient place to live with twins and a double buggy. And even if he had managed to get it back, what was he thinking? Why don't people speak to each other um, at all? So, yeah, all in all, a, a great week for Dumpty Dum and an all right week for the Archers. Have a great year. Well, thank you, Catherine. I'm delighted you enjoyed our chat with Stephen so much. And, um, yeah, I mean, one of the highlights definitely, well, certainly the big highlight for me was Shambridge's calls in to, to Stephen as, as the various characters and, and the fact that he didn't even mm. twig that they weren't <laughs> the real characters. So glad you enjoyed those. Um, Catherine has often moaned. She's been torn, hasn't she, between saying, why isn't there more reality in the Archers and Ambridge. Uh, why do they talk about, as Stephen Fry said, you know, things like TikTok and Instagram, you know, this is real life. And then if there is real life, then she doesn't want it because she wants an escape from real life. So uh, none of us are satisfied. But uh, yeah, the, um, they tried to get down with the kids this week, didn't they? With uh, As we've discussed before with uh, with Amy, and it just did. <laughs> It absolutely stuck in people's craw, including Catherine's. And as a teacher, she hears quite a bit of street talk, so she knows it wasn't very convincing. And, I thought her um, call was brilliant. It just made me laugh so oh, much. Just, and this, this bit about when Phoebe said, I've got a deadline. I thought, what? Has Phoebe changed jobs and suddenly has something important to do? But no, no just filing a no. report on weeds, as Catherine yes. says. 
And this idea of Helen having a one of those dreadful signs <gasps> in her kitchen. We cuddle every day. <laughs> I have something terrible to admit. Oh, you, you have you got some? Oh no. Well, we've God, got walk, one. Hold on, you walk like a crab. Door. You walk like hold on, you walk like a crab and you've got these silly signs around your house. There's, no, we've got one sign and it says our family doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And I have it there because every morning when I'm shouting that we're late for the school bus and running out and, uh, you know, children haven't cleaned teeth, they haven't washed their face, they've forgotten the bag, the wet swimming kit is still in their school bag and soaked everything. Through gritted teeth, I have to look at our family doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful and just keep going. <laughs> keep having the fig rolls. <laughs> no, never again. Uh, Catherine's bewildered by the rewilding. Who isn't Catherine? I, uh, I, I, I did for the first time a few weeks back. Locked into that, I thought, and I said so on here. That lovely scene between uh, Rex and Kirsty when she went for a walk, and we got a we got a a lesson in rewilding. And I found all that for the first time interesting and and rather lovely. And uh, you know, letting nature take over again, and 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 encouraging indigenous species to return and um that seems to be in simplistic terms my understanding of rewilding although catherine um reduced it still further to just letting the weeds grow (laughs) (laughs) hazel was scathing about it which i did sort of enjoy i'm afraid why is daddy's mummy money going there yes yes (laughs) into weeds yes Yes, into weeds (laughs) but as ever catherine uh a joy to listen Mm. and uh please keep calling in And from one joy to another, we must go to Witherspoon, who has thoughts on Alice's career plans. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa Quentin and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, calling from a very cold New York City. And it continues to be a very chilly time for Alice. Her wanting to start working again was a good idea, but her desire to return to her old job was not. Her buddy would have reminded her, people, places, things, Alice, people, places, things. Meaning those in recovery, especially early in recovery, should change those factors associated with previous patterns of drinking. Alice frequently drank alone. And when she worked at Home Farm, she had a stash of alcohol that she consumed. So for that reason alone, as we have all shouted at the radio, she should go work with Shula. How do I feel about Ed blowing the whistle on her to Stella, considering his own history of substance abuse, mistakes he's made while abusing drugs, and much later on, while not abusing drugs? I had mixed feelings. I certainly understand his concerns about working with Alice, considering her false accusations about him in the past. But people gave him a second chance, and doesn't Alice deserve one as well? But circling around to my first point for Alice, probably that second chance is best not at home farm. Time for her to take steps to regain her independence from her family, which at times is toxic. Speaking of toxic family members, then there's Hazel. Poor Peggy, driven by guilt, willing to sacrifice the happiness of her own biological family for doing the right thing in her mind. Not surprisingly, once again, she was putting Tony in the position of sacrificial lamb. And why would Tom grovel to Hazel to go back to a tiny flat at the top of the stairs? Certainly Natasha would not want to return there, but he never puts her happiness first. Questions, questions without good answers. Talk to you soon. 
Thank you with the spoon. Yes, well, I think we always have questions, questions and, and no answers. That's the part of the arches, isn't it? I, I was really interested to hear what Witherspoon's view was on Alice and the work situation. And yeah, I'd forgotten about this um, people, places, things. It, it does show that Alice isn't as, as um, far along the, the line of her development because she wants to take a step back and, and work at the at the old place. I mean, there are so many, well, I say there are so many other places she could work. If she's got to stay in Ambridge, where would she work? I guess she could volunteer at the shop. Well, surely they'd want help there. She could just put a tabard on. Oh, no, I suppose well, there's booze sells there. alcohol. There's booze. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. where else could you? I mean, Amy well, seems well, to be overrun well, with dogs, so she could help Amy. She's only got two, hasn't she? Two dogs. Yeah, one each. Um, Lighten the load. Witherspoon suggesting go work with Shula. Yeah, I mean, that would be... I think that seems to be a perfect fit. Yes, but nobody... Shula doesn't seem to have thought about that. Alice, nobody has thought about what gives Alice joy and and let's turn that into a career. So I was just trying to think of any other places. I I mean, I thought Brian's suggestion work from home wasn't a very good one because I think she needs to get out of the home and be with people and be distracted. So... (sighs) That wasn't uh, a very good idea, Brian, I didn't think. But um, again, it comes back to what are the jobs in Ambridge, actually? Work at Grey Gables, but then they've um, presumably cut back the staff because less people are... Work alongside Adam. He seems happy enough at Bridge Farm. Mm, so we would hear Alice with Tom. And Adam. And Adam. Oh, oh, oh no, please no. no well, no, Jen wants her to go to Canada. Jen says, pack your bags and go to Canada. I want Maybe the best she needs for to Alice, leave. but um, yeah. But she's got Martha. She can't just fly off to Canada, can she? Well, she could take us. Do a bit of a Kate, I suppose, and mm. um, think that parenting via FaceTime is all that's required. I, I thought Ed was justified raising the point to Stella. I did, but equally, um, Witherspoon's right. He got a second chance from Oliver, didn't he? So Alice does need a second chance, and that's what Brian was. Yeah, um, and Ed wasn't saying, saying mm. uh, she can't work here, but I, I yeah, I can see. No, both I think points he was saying, look, he, if she does, you need to know this. I th- yes, I think. but it, yeah, he should. I I did think he would be more sort of open and more obviously forgiving, um, but maybe that takes time as well. I don't know. We'll just have to see. But Witherspoon, a wonderful call as always. So. Those are all the calls in, uh, but you can send us an email or a text if you prefer. Quentin, how can Dumpty Dummers do that? Yes, feel free to send us a text to this number 07957 167 696. If you're calling from abroad outside the UK, do add that plus 44. You can also send an email. Uh, we've got some to read out in a minute. You can visit the dumptydum.com website. Don't forget there's a T in the middle. That's dumptydum.com and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Do get your calls, emails and texts in just before noon on Sunday. That's the normal time we record this um, and we record at about midday UK time. Remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And so we go from our callers to our email and texters. I just do that extra long to wind you up, Quentin. Yeah, Sorry about yeah. Yeah, you, you do know what that's at, what that makes you sound like. I mean, you, you do sound nuts when you say that. Well, yeah. they're, they're with better yeah. nuts than figs. There we go. Okay. Anyway, yeah. our first email. As long as they crunch, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> our first email is from Mike. 
Mike says, hi, Philippa and Quentin. Greetings from the Bronte Moors. I was talking with my 90-something mother who enticed me into the Archers in the 60s, who reminded me of our family connections with the Archers. Firstly, she knew Godfrey Basley, who was the creator and first editor of the programme. He was the father of one of my mum's teaching colleagues in Birmingham and shook hands with him. Secondly, my dad used to call the dance steps for various folk bands in the 50s and 60s. One of those was the Yetis, who played the theme tune for the Sunday Omnibus for many years. Cheers, Mike. Oh, thanks, Mike. It's a mm. great bit of Archer's history there. And he just reminds us, doesn't he, Mike, uh, through his mother and her recollections, uh, of how far back this extraordinary programme yeah stretches and i felt it was reflected this morning if you were listening to saturday live ben norris who plays ben archer was on this morning's program and he was talking about his role and uh how exhilarated but a bit daunted he was when he was cast and he had to <laughs> pat green who plays jill and tim bentick who plays david were filling him in on the archer's family history which was which was rather nice and uh, he was also getting some help from his mum as well who's an avid archer's listener so yeah, that's uh, was nice to hear. Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you, Mike. That was great. And as Quentin says, just shows you the scope of listeners and people's interaction with the archers and just, just wonderful. Um, and now we have a message from Rob. Rob is poorly. Rob, we send you our very best. Get well soon. Miss you. We miss you. Yes, mm. Rob normally leaves lovely uh, voice messages for us to play. But uh, yes, he's struck down with the horrible COVID and is not feeling at his best. But Rob, I selected Stephen's wonderful dum de dum tune, the Doctor Who version, particularly for you. So hopefully that made you feel a little bit better. But Rob has sent me some words, so I shall read those out. And he says, this is something for us to think about. How is Amy making money if she's only walking one dog at a time? Perhaps she has more, but has lost them. That Joby or whatever was very loud until the meeting with Sabrina. Afterwards, it was very quiet, despite all the ducks. Maybe she starts off like she's in a trail sled dog race but ends up walking home alone well rob as i said earlier uh, at the start of um the, your message hope you feel much better soon yes I, I, what is going on she, well i don't know she's like the opposite of the pied piper of hamlin you know she's just uh, dogs are running away to to get as far away from amy as possible there, it's there all- are not enough hounds in ambridge for her to make a living are there no, this, is, this has often been a complaint that you know, rural village where the dogs. But Alan's probably not charging her any rent. Her entertainment is cheap because for entertainment she throws full bottles of vodka. or Well, no, they were empty by the time she threw them, but empty bottles of vodka into a bin. Um, she's Her best friend is Alice, so that's lovely. Um, so, yeah, she's she's living she's the high lo- life. She's, she's low maintenance, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. exactly but yeah rob get better and we need those calls again soon and finally they're back whoever they are quentin a non of ambridge has emailed dear uncle quentin and auntie philippa i'm concerned about the number of restaurants that keep popping up and disappearing again last year everyone was talking about a mexican place and now they're all talking about eating carrots and tandoori meals i love the food but can't keep track of which one is open and which has shut it seems to change all the time what should I do? Thank you. A non of Ambridge. I'd say just call Deliveroo. 
You have a Deliveroo. Wait, we don't have Deliveroo. We no, don't I don't. Anything. No, I don't. But I'm just trying to come up with an easy solution for a non of Ambridge who's bewildered by the <laughs> two restaurants that happen to be in, in Ambridge. I think the important thing is just, you know, if you go in for a curry and mid-meal it changes to Chelsea's hair salon, that's more of a worry. Yeah, just have, yeah, have, a, have a Google, see, see what is, there is. is. Do you think a non is referring to restaurants in Ambridge or... Borsetshire or Felpersham or uh, um, I've got to admit I don't really know much of what Anon of Ambridge no, is because referring we've, to we've but discussed we have this before. heard different There's, restaurants yeah but are they in Ambridge because we've had this discussion before There's there are very no. few facilities within Ambridge yes I mean, they're not in Ambridge they're, we've got they're a just, pub we've got a shop and that's about it yeah yeah I'd just, I just go to the Bull I think you can get some nice food there there's Grey Gables I suppose but I think he's he's they are obviously referring to um, Mike's vast consumption of food recently, which is obviously bewildering poor Anon because he was <laughs> stuffing his face left, right, and centre with pies and curries and God knows what. So I think this is what's thrown him. Um, well, Anon's bewildered. We're bewildered, but yeah. nothing, nothing changes. But but so that- so so good to hear from you again, Anon. It hasn't been quite the same. <laughs> Thank you for your calls and emails and texts. We love them. Do keep calling in. And now we go to our special bookish item. As most of you know, I host the Quick Book Reviews podcast. And there is a book that I just love. And I wanted to talk to the author about their thoughts on the archers. So Matson Taylor, author of the wonderful The Miseducation of E.V. Epworth, welcome to Dumdy Book Dumb. Thank you very much for inviting me, Philippa. It's an honour to be on. I'm very excited. Well, you've got uh, a recollection of when you first started listening to The Archers. Yeah, well, it goes back a long time. My mum used to listen to The Archers on Sunday mornings. My mum comes from a farming family, so... I think that's probably one of the reasons she liked it. And of course, I don't know, I can remember being seven or eight on a Sunday morning, absolutely finding the whole thing as really tedious because all I wanted to do was watch the the cartoons on the telly and my mum was there listening to the archers <laughs> but it goes right back to that and and I've kind of I've I've it's gone through through me all the way through library like I've got very clear memories of university and I used to live abroad for a few years and I came back and one of the reasons I came back I think was just to catch up on the archers because this was before the internet and <laughs> occasionally I'd even have friends who'd make um, sort of cassette <laughs> recordings and send them over to me when I lived in Italy. Okay, let's talk favourite characters then. Who's who's there at the top for you? Well, I think one of the things that I really like about the Archers is they always have very well-written, good, strong women. So surprisingly, perhaps maybe maybe Linda would be one of my favourite characters because I think everyone knows a Linda. She's, <laughs> she's annoying, but I'm glad she's there. But I think she might just be usurped. My, I've got a new favourite character, and I, and I think it might be Natasha. I love <gasps> Natasha. I, I think she's going to shake things up a little bit. She's a bit like Alexis Colby. Can you remember Dynasty in the 80s when Alexis... Yes. Like, yeah. She's going to be that kind of person, I think. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic. Have you got any more Dynasty analogies there? Because that's just a, an extraordinary one. I could write a whole book on Dynasty analogies. I don't know who's Blake Carrington, who do you reckon? It must be Brian. Brian must be Blake. But then, then it all falls down a bit, yeah. doesn't it? With the... <laughs> okay, who's your worst then? Uh, any any baddies there? Definitely, yeah. I've got a new, I've got a new worst, a new baddie as well, just from a, a couple of weeks ago. And it's that cow that peed on poor old Susan, um, you know, <laughs> 
and it's not very nice at all. And and of course, I grew up in the country. I know what cows are like. So it, it won't have been a, a gentle sprinkle. It'll have been a deluge. So poor old Susan. So that cow is now my worst character, definitely. Well, talking about cows, there 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 are some featured certainly at the beginning of your book. Could you tell us a little bit about? Uh, the Miseducation of Evie Epworth. It's a, it's a funny book about serious things. So it's a coming-of-age novel for Evie. She's 16 and a half and just about to launch herself into this thing called life. What is she going to do? But it's also a coming-of-age novel of the decade, of the 1960s. So it's set in the summer of 62, just before the 60s, the, the sort of the cultural pop phenomenon of the 60s really started. So it's you get these wafts of the 60s coming into this small Yorkshire village in the summer of 1962. And it's just watching the 60s arrive in all their glory. Matson Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Philippa. Now, a few weeks ago, we put out uh, a post on our Facebook page saying, tell us where you uh, listen and when you listen to the podcast, because it's always interesting because we have listeners all around the world and uh, we've had some more in. Sheila English says, I listen to the Archers podcast when I'm getting ready for bed here in my Canadian bedroom. I listen to the Dumpty Dum podcast usually on Monday morning when I'm in the kitchen. Our very own Rob Williams says, I listen in the kitchen while cooking. I plug in a pair of AirPods and listen while I'm chopping, slicing, dicing, roasting and generally faffing around. I also enjoy a glass of wine with it. Paula Fomby says, on my walk home from work in Ann Arbor, Michigan or in the kitchen when I'm preparing dinner. Barbara Skackle says, in the night on Sunday if I wake up or on my Monday morning walk in the woods. Hannah Warren, I listen in the car while working in my house whenever I have a few moments. Our very own Witherspoon says, usually at the gym lifting weights, when on the elliptical I watch an episode of Midsummer Murders. No wonder I combined the two. Jacqueline Berto, on my daily dog walk. It'll be tomorrow because today I listen to yesterday's omnibus. Carolyn Wright says, at home doing mundane tasks such as lighting the fire. Emily Pentingale, uh, like Alison, I need the comfort of Dumpty Dum, especially now I'm recovering from a second knee replacement. 41 staples this time, so this mm. week I listened mostly in bed. I hope things are getting better for you, Emily, by the way. Mm. Yes. Scarlett Eyre says she listens on Monday afternoon on her drive into work. Sarah Spilsby, who regularly phones in, she says mainly out when I'm walking or sometimes when at work. I'm still working from home, which is just as well, as I often laugh out loud in a way that would not be appropriate in the workplace whilst listening. And we've also had a, a late one come in from Anne Charles. Uh, she's an ex-BBCer like me, and she says Dumpty Dum helps her on her runs. So thank you for all that. It's fascinating to find out where and when you listen to this yes. podcast. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, it sort of brings you closer to us. So, yeah, do let us know. We'll uh, read some more out in future. And so to Facebook. First of all, we need to welcome new members this week. Don't panic, just first names for most of you. So we need to say a special war to Harriet Carmichael, Shambridge Hooray! herself, Hooray! and Tim Bentick, no Hooray! less than David Archer. Welcome. Fantastic. And also a huge cool. welcome yeah. to... Charles, Julia and Jen... Charmaine, Kate and Sue. Wendy, Tim and Kim. Fiona, Sarah and Stella. As well as Fiona, Ian and Jane. So what has our Dumpty Dum group been talking about this week? Well, let's find out as we sit back for the roundup of the goings on in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Ah, oh, slight change of plan. Sorry, it's supposed to be Sandra, but her computer has broken and she's unable to record the roundup this week. So here is my very brief summary instead. <laughs> 
Emily Pettengill has put out a call for fellow Canadians. There are 341 of you, according to Acast, who listen. So do get in touch with her if you are Canada-based. Kate Lal is having issues understanding the pat hate. Margaret Slading is thinking about uh, whether Peggy is really as gullible as she seems. Darcy Jorgensen is feeling sorry for Jim. Rob started a conversation about coffee. In fact, I should have commented on that. Sorry, I have views on coffee as well, but never mind. Another time. Witherspoon asked who'd want Hazel as a landlady. Paul Norris started a poll about who is Hazel renting the flat to. There were lots of different answers. Even Stephen Fry has one solution. Um, The top one was Stella, who got 45 votes. Rex got 21. Josh got 10. And Rob got 9. Will Rob return? Um, Angie Rafter was glad to see the back of Hazel. Witherspoon helped us to welcome the new members. Carolyn Wright did her version of a Saturday episode of The Archers. Uh, They're brilliant. You should always look for them. Um, Marianne Perk had found Ben Norris, who plays Ben Archer. on. uh, He was on Radio 4 Saturday Live. She found him very interesting. Um, And Quentin. Uh, Quentin we know yes that Quentin highlighted that our podcast had even been mentioned on the main BBC the Archers group Uh, there were views news hilarious comments and lots and lots of chat hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Thank you to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. You would be very welcome to join us there if you haven't done so already. Of course, we're also on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. That's with a T in the middle. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Do try and include uh, at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. It just helps to circulate everything and make sure that uh, people see your tweets, see our name and keep our community growing. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review with a three, not a W. How about you, Quentin? You'll find me at 13 Minute Man. 
That's one three minute man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Uh-huh. And we have three medals to give out as normal. And on the bronze plinth, we have this from Rich Cuts at Cuts Rich. And this is a reference to the weekly Friday quiz that Kate Crichton puts out. And he says, I, I love these work events we have every Friday at 7.02. <laughs> very topical very right? we like that like one that. rich that gets you a bronze <laughs> and in silver position we got a tweet in from hazel woolley oh yes oh yes mm. might be a parody account i'm not sure but you never know she says taking you into my confidence here so please be discreet I can't promise a volte face vis-a-vis my leaving Ambridge, but all I will say is that I have asked Sue Gray to write a report and I shall make a final decision when I have digested her findings. <laughs> we, we, are very, we are we are right, very topical this week, aren't we? So that gets you a silver, <laughs> Hazel. But the gold goes to a r- real old friend of this podcast. It's uh, Rosie Porty at Porty Rosie, and this got a lot of people going. And you'll like this one, Philippa. And she wrote this. We've heard from Pat so frequently recently that she has made her way into my subconscious. I made leek soup yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Rosie. Excellent. Apart from the soup and Pat in your subconscious. (laughs) Lots of people piled in to say, yes, I've been doing this, this and this. It's all Pat inspired. Yeah. So Rosie, that wins you a gold. (laughs) Next week, we are back to normal with recording on Sunday at 12 noon. Phew, no more trips for you, Quentin, for another 10 years, okay? I'll guarantee it, Bob. <laughs> so please get your calls in by 12 noon, midday on Sunday. We need to start winding down. So we must say a thank you, a huge thank you to Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, to Monty, Bernadette, God Squad, Mia, Sue, Glyn, Brian, Catherine, Witherspoon, Rob, Mike, and Anon of Ambridge for their contributions, as well as Stephen Bowden for his dum de dum tune. Thanks also, as ever, to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices and joining us on Facebook, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will the new resident of Hazel's flat turn out to be Hilda the cat? Will Amy be heard walking any dog that we have actually previously heard of? Will the dreaded bathroom cabinet be quietly recycled by Pat to a charity shop? And as Mike Tucker returns to Birmingham, will the residents of Ambridge have to come to terms with the fact that they might actually have to get off their own backsides and varnish their own tables? All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me. And I'm off for a cuppa and a fig roll with a hint of wasp. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 